I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 156. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Joe Samut of Orangeville. He's with Mortgage Architects and been in the business for 24 years. Joe is one of the legends in the industry, and I wanted to have had him on the show for some time. I'm glad we're finally able to connect. What impressed me most about Joe was his willingness to continue to adapt and evolve his business even after 24 years. I don't think we sometimes, we underestimate how hard it is to change once something's been working, but Joe is willing to, hey, make changes to his business, adapt, evolve to consumer preferences, and he's still killing it. It's got a great team, great business, and I think a lot of it has to do with attitude because I've met some people that have been in the business for 20 plus years, and they're not willing to change anything, and they kind of think, well, this is the way I've always done it. Joe is not that guy. One of the other things I, I also appreciated was Joe shared about how when he first started out in the business and he was killing it, so busy, working from early morning to late at night, and one of his mentors said, hey, man, you need to go home, spend time with your family. It's not a, It's great that you're working, you know, making money, working till 11, but you need to go home. You can come back to work after, but go home, connect, see your kids, see your wife. He says that's the best business advice he's ever received. And I want to share this because I know there's some brokers out there in broker nation land that you need to hear this, man. It's great if you're out killing it, but if you're making lots of money, don't sacrifice this stuff, your family, your kids, make sure that you find some time for it. So I think you're going to really enjoy this interview. Check it out. Joe's a solid dude and sure that if you wanted to reach out to him, he'd be happy to chat with you. This episode is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now, normally when we have sponsor for the show, it's because I can personally use their product or service and give it a 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different. I personally don't do B deals. So I decided to do some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and I found everyone said they were fast, down to earth and underwrote deals if they made sense. Another cool thing, Pioneer is really fast. In most cases, they'll give you a turnaround time in two hours or less, which is crazy. So if you're a broker looking for a B deal in BC or Alberta, check out Pioneer West and tell them you heard about them on I Love Mortgage Brokering. They're big supporters of our community. And if you can send them any love, that'd be great. Check them out at PioneerWest.com. This show is also sponsored by ClientCaller.com. After 150 plus interviews, I can tell you with absolute certainty, one of the most effective ways to increase your business is to consistently phone your past clients. The keyword is consistent. I can also tell you that most brokers, myself included, struggle with this because we get too busy working on deals, dealing with issues. So the client caller is an amazing service where a professional calling assistant calls your past clients for you. Cool thing is they use your phone number on the caller ID your voice on the voicemail. They have seven different scripts that they use and our callers are located in Canada and they love talking on the phone. Any leads that they generate from that, they get pushed back to you. It's a fantastic service. Full disclosure, I'm a partner in this business. Check them out at clientcaller.com and tell them you heard about them on Out of Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Scott. Pleasure being here. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your business. Well, I've been in the business 24, 25 years. I uh, started as a, as a newbie, not knowing anything about the mortgage world. I came from the insurance world and I run a family uh, owned business. Basically, I'm part of Mortgage Architects, but my wife and son and I, we run our business together with our team. And we, uh, we've been in the business a long time and it, it's proven to be a great successful business for our family. So what, what were you doing before you got into the mortgage biz? I was in the insurance business and I was doing life and disability insurance, specializing in pharmaceutical students at the U of T. It was a good business. However, I didn't, I wasn't knowledgeable enough, wasn't old enough to make it a, a successful practice for myself. And I got into the mortgage business with a gentleman by the name of Rob DeStefano many, many years ago. 
and he took me under his wing and uh, taught me what he knew. So I, I tried to get into the financial planning business when I was like 19, and, the, and I looked like I was 15, so I had a heck of a time. But when you're doing mortgages, you're actually giving the money, so it's a little different scenario. It's looked upon or perceived a little bit differently, absolutely. You're not insuring people's lives or their fortunes. You're, in fact, giving them the opportunity to uh, take on debt to allow them to accomplish their goals. So right. yeah, it's, it's very differently uh, accepted in the marketplace. So you've probably seen in the 24 years since you started that a lot of change. I mean, in the last couple of years in particular, the number amount of change seems to be increasing exponentially. <laughs> very much. How do you keep from like getting, you know, okay, we've always done it this way. And like, how do you keep from getting stuck in a rut? So like, if you've been doing something a long time. I find that we've had to continuously reinvent ourselves. It, it almost seems within the last nine years that every year we've had to reinvent what we do, how we do it, people that we're targeting, and more, most importantly, how we're servicing them and how we're making sure that they get to accomplish their goals so that way we bring value add. But we, with all these rule changes, with the legislative changes, ministry changes, we've had to reinvent a lot of what we do every single year. We, we can't stay stagnant or else we'll be dead in the water. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that's this common story. People, if you're going to continue in the business, you, it's not like you can, you're going to get away with doing the same things you did 20 years ago. You're going to have to constantly be adjusting and adapting. Adapting. Absolutely. Okay. So before we dive into the rest of your story, I always like to ask about a quote that's had an impact on your life or business. Can you share a quote that's really had an impact on you? I thought about that one quite a bit because as you can imagine being doing what you and I do, we hear a lot of quotes, but the one that sticks out in my mind is that if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And that can't be any truer uh, a saying because if you stay, you know, basically what we just talked about, if you stay stagnant and not change and always do what you've done, you're always going to get the same results. So it's ever evolving, ever changing and you ever adapting. Can you give me an example of something that you changed in the last year or so that you were like, hey, this is the way we did things, but now we've just had to make an adjustment to it? That's a great question too. I mean, we, for the most part, uh, my business is virtual. So uh, what we've done is implemented more touches with our client throughout the process than before, because we know that everybody's uneasy as to what's going on in the marketplace and uh, unsure of what's going on. So we make sure that we touch our clients, whether it be email, phone, CRM, we touch them quite often throughout the approval process. So that way they're that much more in the know, but that's pretty much the, uh, I guess the most obvious change that we've made or the most obvious adapt adaptation. We're still getting our business from the same sources. We're still, underwriting our deals the same. Our lender loyalties perhaps has changed a little bit as well because lenders have changed. Mm -hmm. so that kind of thing is, is really what has impacted us, I think, the most over the last year. So is there anything that you uh, are currently doing in your business that at one time you would have said, there's no way we're going to do and now we're doing this? I can honestly say no. The one thing maybe that I guess could answer your question would be in historically, we weren't a very big B broker. Uh, we dealt mainly A space. The legislative changes, the rule changes have led us into the B space more rapidly than perhaps I thought we were going to, but it's been uh, it's been interesting being and working in that space. But uh, that's pretty much the only adaptation that we've really had to do that was... That wasn't by design. It was just more by plan. Okay, so what percentage of your business was... Because I, I talked to Christine Yu. Do you know her? Yes, I do. She was like 100% A or 95% A and then five or six years ago because of the rule changes, she's now like 95% B. So how have you guys seen that shift from very little B to more B now? Uh, we would, I would say that in the past, 99.9% of my business was straight A. Mm -hmm. uh, in recent years, we're probably at 95.5. So 95 still A, triple A, 5% uh, in the B market, in the B space. 
Okay, so it's not like where it's like a complete 180. A paradigm shift, no, it's, it's just a subtle change, but it's more than we had anticipated. And again, it's very well received because it's it's a definite marketplace that's that's needed for sure. Yeah, you're serving a part of the marketplace. And so are you guys doing those internally or how are you doing those those uh, B deals? We're doing them internally. We still have the connections with our A and B lenders that allows us to do what we need to do. Right. Okay. So can you share something that you failed at, but looking back, there was a lesson in it for you? That's a great question too. I know I answered that. I, I think really the... If I could say anything, it would have been the insurance industry that I started my financial world in. And the reason being is I was too young. Um, I felt I was too naive. I didn't understand the necessity of insurance, perhaps as I do today as, a, as an older guy. Um, I also was at the time working for my commission. I wasn't working for my client. And very quickly into the industry or into the into that career, focusing my energies in that direction essentially got me out of the career very quickly. And that's when I tr transitioned over into the mortgage industry and it made a lot more sense to me. Right. It's kind of funny how oh, I'm sure now you look at insurance being in the business this long and I've had clients that passed away in, you know, the, since I've been doing this, how you have a different perspective on it compared to when you first start out. Like, has it changed a lot? When you're in your twenties, you're immortal. You're not going anywhere. Right. You're like, yeah, does this really need it? And what, you know, well, exactly. It, it, it's more of a uh, a selfless purchase. People are buying it to insure their lives, to give money to somebody else. And my the segment of the marketplace I was working with at the time, they didn't really care about anybody else. They only cared about themselves. And so it was a hard sell. As far as now that I'm an older guy, um, you know, in my 50s now, it's, hold on, there's a huge necessity for insurance and there's a huge benefit to it because it protects your assets, it protects your liabilities, absolutely. Right, and you can see that you've seen the mess and the fallout from not having somebody, you know, properly covered and stuff. That's right, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay, so do you have a morning routine? So when you get up, do you have like a certain way you start your day? Most people don't know this about me, but my wife and I, we own a hobby farm. So we have, um, <laughs> we have horses, chickens, sheep, dogs, cats, the whole green acres thing. And we're in the barn every morning at 6.30, doing our routine, taking care of the animals, having fun, and then get a good breakfast, get into the office by nine, and I start my day. And it's nonstop until the day finishes. And so do you work your mortgage business from your home office? No, I did. I, I did that for six years quite successfully. It worked out really well. In my property, I have an outbuilding that I housed my office in. So I was able to walk across the driveway to my office, and that's when my staff showed up. I have the separation, the, the segmentation between my family life and my office life. So it worked out really well. And then uh, we bought a building four years ago. We moved our business to the building and we're operating out of there now. Okay. Here. So how do you find that? Basically, now you've got a commute. And so there's a, is it a long commute? No, seven minutes. Oh, it's refreshing uh, because in the past, when I ran it from the home, there were, there could have been three, four days where I didn't leave the property because my property had everything I needed including my work and it was too easy to get back to work so it made my days quite long right right oh that's good and uh so my wife would love to have a hobby farm so how okay, how big of a hobby farm is this i have 30 acres and like i say i use the the term farm loosely because it's a gentleman's farm i have a paved driveway and i have a pond it's stocked with trout that i don't fish we have animals that we don't eat so it's more of a oasis it's pretty cool it's, right, that's uh, awesome but how many chickens do you have 17. Okay, yeah, they put a lot of eggs. My in-laws had a hundred at one time, and it was like crazy. Yeah, we get so we get fresh eggs every day. It's definitely not a production farm. It's more they all came there to retire. So we have chickens that we. Uh, you have retired chickens. We have retired chickens. 
that's only they don't actually produce as much. I don't know. We're going off on a tangent here, but they don't produce as many eggs as like uh, do they? Or what do you find? No, you're right. As they get older, they don't produce as much at all. But I mean, we're still getting a dozen eggs a day from the 17 of them, so it's pretty good. Right. That's that's hilarious. Okay, the, the total random side thing. Okay. Well, you want to hear fun? Can I share a story? Yeah, with yeah you? go for it. To make it to make it funny. When I ran my office from my home, we used to let our chickens free range. We had a rooster land on the windowsill of my office and start crowing. And I was on the phone with a client in Toronto who didn't know I operated my business from my farm. And this rooster's crowing. And I said to the I said to the client, I said, Do you hear that? And they said, Yeah, it sounded like a rooster. And I said, Well, it was, but where's it coming from? I didn't want to tell them it was sitting on my windowsill. So <laughs> anyway, the things you do to to adapt when you're working on a farm is pretty cool. That's hilarious. So you had this like a rooster. Okay. So there's, I've seen like there's three parts of the business. There's leads where you get your business from. There's your team. And then there's your systems that kind of hold it all together. So on the lead side, so where does the majority of your business come from? Over the years, again, over 24, 25 years, I've got a very good base referral source or referral network through a realtor chain. I'm in-house at a uh, Toronto real estate company. I have been for 17 years and they provide me with a good amount of leads. It's been a lot of work trying to maintain and nurture the relationships with realtors, uh, but they've proven to be a good base for my business. I look at them as my farm team. They give me the leads that I'm then able to turn into referring to clients. So they account for probably 25% of my business, and then the rest is referrals, past clients, walk-in traffic, and financial planners. So I have a good cross-section of lead sources. Realtors, as I said, I look at them as my as my farm team. They're providing me with the business that I'll expand my business on going forward. Right. And then what kind of things are you doing to nurture? Because if 75% of your business is past clients and client referrals, what kind of things are you doing to get more referrals from your past clients? Well, first and foremost, doing as good a job as we can from the get-go so they remember who we are and then putting them on on a very uh, intense CRM program so that way we stay in their face and we make periodic calls. Not as often as I'd like, but we make calls to them just to... uh, uh, regroup and see what's going on. One of the things that I find tracks a lot of people's attention is the mortgage checkup emails that we send out quite regularly. And we get calls from our clients just wanting to review their mortgage. So from that standpoint, that works. And then we're always doing business asks. You know, we're always asking them to refer us or introduce us to family and friends. And uh, we've got a good stable of that. So it works out well. What's been the most effective campaign? If you could pin one of those things down that you're like, hey, this one or even more recently, because things do change. What's the most effective thing recently that's been working for you? The biggest thing, especially recently, has been mortgage checkups. Again, simply because with all the changes, with all the media hype going on now, a lot of people just want to make sure they're okay. Right. From that standpoint, that that's got us a lot of traction. Is that Do you lead that off with an email that then sets up a phone call or how does that work? Yeah, it's an email with a response uh, normally by email and then a phone call appointment is set up and we have a 10, 15 minute conversation and we just reevaluate their situation and see if anything's changed or if they need anything from us. Okay, so that leads me to the next part of my question. So there's leads, there's team. So who's on your team and what do they do? Okay, so uh, right now I have Laura Lee who's been with me for 14 years. She is my compliance uh, specialist. She's my document follow-up specialist between lender and client, and she closes the transactions. We have uh, Giovanna, who's been with us for a very short period of time. She's going to be working into a more junior compliance role. And then we have uh, Sarah, who works with us. She's been with us for three years, and she is marketing and advertising and CRM management. We just hired two uh, summer students to uh, help our continuation or help our uh, our adventure into being paperless. We've been paperless now for about 10 months and they're spending the summer taking us completely paperless. 
Yeah, I see a folder behind you on your because we're doing this via video, so I can see this uh, folder. But that's funny. That's my BIA. I'm the chair of the BIA in my town, and that's the only paper I have around. It's just it's the only thing that I have now. It's just it's not mortgage related stuff. It's not mortgage related. No. Okay, so you've got this these summer students that are helping you move to paperless. So you just put them on a contract, or I've never. They're coming in. They're doing data entry, uh, and they're here strictly for the summer. They're here until September, and that's it. One of them may stay on on a part time basis, covering us on weekends and things like that. But uh, their job for the summer, these two full time summer students, is to take everything pre August of last year and put it paperless. So as of August of last year, two thousand and sixteen, we are paperless. Mm-hmm. And doing is we're just getting them to document all of our folders and, and mortgage documents from prior to August of last year. Okay. And then we have uh, my son, Ben, who's been with us for three years, fresh out of university. And he works in Toronto, servicing my uh, Toronto referrals and Toronto clients. So is he doing kind of like sales and lead gen? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he does. He's basically my the BDO for my company. Okay. Development officer. And then what about, uh, you said, so these this one thing that's working really well, which is the mortgage checkup. So send, who makes that phone call when somebody says, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. They stick up their hand. Who's Is that you? Is that Ben? That's me. That's something we're trying to change right now. We're trying to, we, we have a, another staff member that's going to be starting with us in three weeks. That's going to be very well, we've known them a, a very long time and they know my clientele and they know our business. They're going to be starting with us in three weeks. So they'll be able to share that load with me. Because right now it's very dependent on me making the contact with the client and I'm on the phone all day long. It's great. It works. But there are only so many hours in a day. So I'm I'm trying to duplicate myself to allow me to have a little more free time to do some of the things I want to do. Right. And do you guys have subbrokers at your office? I have two. I have an agent that works out of Toronto who's very, very part-time. She raises kids and uh, she's an ex-stockbroker with Scotia McLeod. So she's very well versed in finance, very knowledgeable. Uh, but she's doing this more as a part-time, part-time. She doesn't have a full-time gig other than raising her kids. So she does this to service her friends and family and things like that. Uh, I have another individual who's been with me about a year and he's run two successful businesses. So he's very well footed uh, with a good referral network. So he's now an agent with us and that's it. Okay. So that's cool. You got a great team. Sounds like some of them are with you for a long time. So we got to talk about leads, talked about team, now systems. How do you hold this all together and how are you doing this paperless because a lot of guys, no offense, but a lot of guys who've been in the business 24 years do not switch to paperless. They're still like, they don't want to change that. How are you, yeah, how's that going, I guess? It's trying at times it, because again, I'm an old boy, I'm paper. I used to have a stack of files on my desk that I knew where everything was at any given time, any time of the day, I knew where a file was, where a document was. And then we made a conscious decision to go paperless last summer, help of my staff who spearheaded this. We right now have everything going to a drive on our hard drive, and it's all the way from lead to mortgage application to waiting for commitment, commitment received, documents to client, review with client, and things like that, all the way to compliance at head office. So we have it all segmented. We're in the process right now of going to the cloud, so that way we can work from wherever we are virtually, which is very, very exciting. But it's very hard for people who have been paper dependent to go papers. But... I've got the luxury of having a whole bunch of young people around me who only think in paperless fashion. They can't relate to having so much paper around and it works out really well. It's been a great asset to me. Right. I was at a Darren Hardy event 
week or so ago and he talked about hiring millennials because they know this stuff so it's interesting you say that because my son ben he has a sideline channel to our business called the millennial mortgage broker and he's been running that now for a year and a half and the traction he's getting is absolutely incredible so a lot of our clientele are millennials and one of the advantages of us doing business virtually without sitting kneecap to kneecap with a client is that our client doesn't know that we're not in our 20s or 30s. They don't realize that I'm in my 50s and my staff is in their 20s and 30s. They look at us as a voice on the phone and, and knowledge and millennials, mm-hmm. they want instant information. So from that standpoint, Ben's been an integral part in making sure that we break into that channel. So a question for you, you said you use you everything sitting on a drive in your current office is going in the cloud, but what pro, do you use certain programs to hold things together? Like what's your CRM program or? Our CRM program is Constant Contact. We're being introduced to a new CRM uh, program next week, which we're quite excited about. I too was at the Darren Hardy event uh, two weeks ago, so I learned a lot of good little tricks there. Oh, it was crazy. It was fantastic. It was intense, very knowledgeable, very informative, and just some great things to hear, great things to take home. But our CRM, again, is constant contact. Our, our paperless drive right now is nothing more than a drive on our hard drive. That's it. It's a drive on our server, pardon me. So that's why, again, we're going uh, to the cloud, so that way we can segment it a little bit differently through certain programs in the cloud. But uh, as far as any other programs, my biggest asset, my daily tool is Outlook. And I, that may sound archaic to some, but our Outlook keeps me organized from phone calls I'm supposed to be having. I don't have many appointments nowadays because, again, I don't sit kneecap to kneecap with a client but it keeps my day organized as to who I'm supposed to call and what the things I'm supposed to follow up on. So Outlook is, that's my right hand. And do you schedule a lot of your calls or what percentage of your calls would be scheduled? Everything is scheduled. You know, I don't follow it to the letter. I do my very best to stick within certain timelines, but every single call that I make is a scheduled call throughout the day. So who schedules them for you? I do. Do you use a program or how are you doing that? It's strictly Outlook. Okay. Everything's through email and then straight to uh, the appointment calendar. Because, well, just there's a program I use. I don't know if you've seen this called Calendly, and you can actually send a link and people can choose. They can actually link to your calendars. And what's that called? Calendly, C A L E N D. I'll send you a link after and I'll put it in the show notes. But I have, I, honestly, it's been a game changer for me. The reason I ask is because when you're, you, like, I like using the phone a lot, I, you know, for my business. And, but if I can schedule phone calls, it's even better instead of call, voicemail, callback, right? And so it's, it's a great program and it could probably save you a pile of like, you know, back and forth and sends reminders. Let's find out more. Yeah, I'll send you a link and then maybe it'll be something for you. So, um, okay, so that sounds great. So you got the leads, teams, you got your systems that you're continually adapting and improving. What's the best business advice you've ever received? Let's see here. Back in the early years of my career, I had a, an older gentleman who was a real estate agent. And back in those days, I used to be in my office every morning at eight and I wouldn't come home until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I thought I was busy. I hoped I was busy, but for the most part, I was spending time trying to stay busy or to to get busy. And he took me aside one day and he said, you know, you've got a wife and babies at home. Why aren't you at home having dinner? And to me, that was foreign because I didn't eat until normally I got home at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. So he asked me, he said, make me the promise that you're going to go home to your family every night at 530 and stay with them at least until 630. If you have to leave again, you leave. Mm -hmm. But every night at 530. And I did. And I'll tell you, it was, that was a game changer for me because I got to spend time with my small babies at the time. And I wasn't as distant from my family. It gave me my family life back, although it was only for an hour snippet here and there, but it gave me the ability to realize what was important. And that was, hey, listen, I I have to work. I have to get things done. 
but I have to show you that you're important enough that I'm going to come home for you. And, and it worked out really well. Right, right. If I can honestly peg it down to any piece of advice, that was probably the best, most poignant advice I got from anybody. Through, I mean, aside from all the regular things you read in a book, that was a, a big life lesson for me. That's really good, actually. That's uh, it's one of the things that's valued to me as well is making sure I still have time for my kids. And I have three. How many kids do you have? I have two kids. Uh, they're not kids anymore. They're huge people. Right. I, my son, again, Ben, is 26, uh, soon to be 27. And my daughter, Lindsay, is 24, very soon to be 25. Does she work in the business? No, she did. And she hated every minute of it. She's going back to what she loves and is most passionate about, which is uh, agriculture and nutrition. Right. Okay, cool. You have a farm there. So there's agriculture. Like That's why we bought the farm. We bought the farm for her. So Right. What's one thing you can share about yourself that you can't find on Google? I think what we had talked about earlier about the fact that I clean muck out horse stalls every morning. I don't look like a country boy, I guess. I'm a city it. A city it. I've never heard that. And a lot of people don't believe that my wife and I spend the morning in the barn. And when they find out about it, they laugh and they joke and then they realize, holy smokes, I want to come out and see your farm. So it's a great conversation piece. But that's the one thing about me that most people don't know. They don't know. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so I'm going to move to some... My shoes are always shiny. My shoes don't have horse shit on them. They're always shiny. No matter what. You got it. So we're going to move some rapid fire questions. You can answer these with shorter answers if you like. What's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Not treating it as a career. They treat it as a pastime. Or I shouldn't say they, what I should say is that I treat this as a career. I treat this as a business. I run it like a business and it's my passion. I don't do it to pay my bills. I do it to create a lifestyle. And it's just, it's a career, not just a run of the mill pastime gig. You can't really get away with that as much anymore. The complexity seems to be going up. And so if you're not fully in, it's going to be hard to keep up. And if you're competing against somebody who's fully in, they're going to eat your lunch because they're, they're going to run circles around you. Absolutely. Okay, so what's the one thing or happy things made you successful? Showing up. That's the key. Showing up every day, being present with your clients, being present with your family. And again, if you're going to treat it like a business, you're going to run business hours. You're going to walk into your business at a certain time. Not. You need structure. You, you need to make sure that you are running a schedule. And part of your work life is your daily work schedule. What's one software or app you can't live without? Right now, again, it's going to be, and again, this could be very archaic, but it's our Outlook. It works though. It makes sense. Okay. What's one book that you'd recommend for our listeners? Uh, one that hit home with me a long, long time ago was called Even Eagles Need a Push. It's written by a gentleman by the name of David McNally. It's a very easy read. And what he talks about in this book is finding your purpose in life. If you don't know what your purpose is, then you've got no uh, existence. You have no means to carry forward. And uh, the minute you take time, and he also touches on what's called dry docking. You go in and you scrape away all the scales and sludge that you've accumulated over the year, and you dry dock yourself, and you figure out what's important to you, and figure out your purpose, you'll do well. And it was funny, I got the book, oh my God, it's probably 27 years ago, and it wasn't until after my mom died 25 years ago that I actually sat down and read it because I was in a state of uh, mourning, and mm -hmm. I just needed something to read, and man, oh man, did it ever make sense. Right. Again, if you don't know what your purpose is and your purpose could be your three kids, my purpose could be, you know, take, making sure we rescue animals and that they're protected and that they have somewhere safe to be. Who knows? Whatever your purpose is, whatever turns your crank is what's going to get you through the day. It's a great read mm -hmm. and a very read and, and a lot of good points. Okay. I've never heard of that one. So this is the last question. Have you heard of the movie Back to the Future? I have. And so remember the movie, they get in the car, travel in time. So if I could put you in that car, I'd send you back 24 years and you could say, you could give yourself three pieces of advice. What would you tell yourself? 
Uh, don't bury your head in the sands and prepare for what may come. Always be looking around the corner because the market's changing, people are changing, technology is changing. Uh, make sure you're one step ahead of the curve. Uh, accentuate your strengths and delegate your weaknesses. Uh, I know what I'm good at, I know what I'm not good at, and I try to get as many people to do what I'm not good at as I can because it's only going to complement further what I do. I can't do it all, so I have to delegate. Trust the people around you because if you can't trust what you've built as a team, then you've got the wrong team or you're the wrong leader. So you have to make sure that you trust in who you've assembled as your confidants. And those three things, those things, three things will take you further. What's something that you delegate that you're like, hey, this is not my sweet spot, that you're grateful that you delegate? Paperwork. So I'm glad we went paperless because now I can very easily share all the paperwork with everybody else in my office. Organizational skills. I book all my phone calls. Uh, I wish I had somebody else doing it for me uh, because they would be better at it than I am. I was, if all I had to do was show up for a phone call, I'd be so much more impactful. That'll come. I'll do that in time. But for now, I have people that take care of the compliance, the marketing, the advertising. They take care of different uh, initiatives that we have going on for lead generation. And I show up and I do my thing and they take care of everything in the background. Right. Much That's I awesome. Have. That's really good. Okay. And where can people find you online, Joe? I'm uh, mortgagegate.ca. I don't Twitter because I don't, <laughs> I don't understand it. I need somebody young to show me how to work Twitter. I'm going to be starting some video blogging, so I'll definitely get back to you when that's when that's all about to happen. But uh, mortgagegate.ca is my website and my uh, my email as well, joesamet at mortgagegate.ca. Okay, well, hey, man, I appreciate everybody listening. You can check out links, everything we talked about in the show notes. Joe, man, I really appreciate it, and I hope you continue to crush your business. Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.